Welcome to Making Sense of the Madness. I'm your host, Sean Morgan. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda with host of the Be Reasonable podcast, Chris Paul. He's going to give us his analysis on the Elon Musk buyout of Twitter, the new developments. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, we've got Larry Ellison, billionaire involved. It looks like the uh, Saudi royal family's got a couple billion in the game. Uh, you know, a lot of information is coming out about this buyout. So we're going to discuss that. We're also going to get the analysis from Alexandra Bruce from ForbiddenKnowledgeTV.net. She has a presentation for us on the hottest alternative news stories. So stay with us. Evan Nunez, the man who runs Trump's Truth Social. All right, Devin, Musk turns Twitter around. If he does, where does that leave Truth Social, which you run? Well, it's, it's great to be with you, Stuart. And, you know, we've, we're all for it. Uh, President Trump, uh, basically before Elon Musk bought it, uh, actually said to go and buy it because, you know, the goal of our company is really to build a community where people are in a family-friendly, safe environment, you know, very much different than Twitter. And that's why we encourage Elon Musk to buy it, because someone has to continue to take on these tech tyrants. Donald Trump wanted to make sure that the American people got their voice back and that the Internet was open. And that's what we are doing. And so people like Elon Musk doing what he's doing, uh, we're, you know, we're definitely in favor of it. Donald Trump told Elon Musk to buy Twitter. That's straight from True Social CEO Devin Nunes. Very interesting to hear those exact words. And to know that, hey, this isn't straight competition. This is uh, a white hat team here working together to take on the tech tyrants. We're going to get the perspective from Chris Paul, host of the Be Reasonable podcast. Also, Hollywood insider, used to be big time promoter with friends with all the celebs in Hollywood. Now that all changed after he went red-pilled. Chris, welcome to the show. What were your thoughts when you saw that clip with Devin Nunes saying, uh, Donald Trump told Elon Musk to buy it. Well, I'm really just still interested to see how it all develops. I'm not totally sold on the idea that Elon Musk will ever in reality actually take it over. I am for it. I mean, I'm for anything that opens up speech in the online environment. Truth Social, I believe, is going to have a massive impact on the conversation. And I look forward to that. You can kind of see it happening as some of the mainstream media figures on the center right are joining into Truth Social. You know, Brian Kilmeade's on there. I think that the response he's getting in the comments on Truth Social, at least from me, and I think from some other people, is going to kind of uh, jar his thinking a, a little bit about where half of the country actually stands on issues like election fraud and whatnot. Um, as far as, as the truth social and Twitter interplay goes, you know, if Twitter goes in the direction that Elon Musk has kind of hinted about where it might become some sort of uh, decentralized platform, if it becomes some sort of clearinghouse for ideas coming from all sorts of different places in the social media environment, you know, and they just live on Twitter. Twitter is where people consume the feed, but not necessarily where all the content comes from. 
I could actually see Twitter and Truth Social, you know, working simpatico in in that sense. And so, you know, if we take them at their word that Donald Trump did indeed encourage Elon Musk to buy Twitter, I think that relationship would make a lot of sense if this all comes to pass. Right. Are you saying that you doubt that the deal is going to go through or do you doubt that when the deal does go through that that Elon Musk will truly be able to do everything he claims he's going to do? Uh, Because it was announced today that he would be the temporary CEO when he does take it over. Right. I, you know, yes, I still doubt that he will take it over. Um, Announcing that he will be a temporary CEO at some point that is such a small piece of news. It is the sort of thing that I look at as noise and not necessarily signal because there's so much that has to happen between now and when he might actually take it over. I don't think that a lot of people think he's going to be in full control of Twitter for months or maybe even a year. And so I think that we're being presumptuous to assume that it's just going to go through. I mean, it's an enormous amount of money. There is all sorts of pushback from the people you would expect to be pushing back to this sorts of thing, to this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, Twitter is so laden with rampant corruption and criminality and proof of all of that. You know, there's a lot to play out before a guy like Elon Musk can just swoop in and pretend to save Twitter. Twitter is in some pretty serious litigation right now on some fairly major issues. I don't know why a buyer like Elon Musk would want to sign up for all of that. So I think that we're going to have to see how some of that plays out. It's like trying to save a sinking ship, right? I mean, it wasn't exactly in a good place. I mean, the NASDAQ was cratering right in the middle of the time he's offering the sweetheart deal. Already says that through these Wall Street banks, he's secured financing. But now Mm -hmm. he's saying that he he approached some private financiers, including Larry Ellison from Oracle, putting up a billion dollars. Also, some, some other rich people. Uh, basically securing $7 billion from a group of uh, rich people. Uh, do you think that's signal or do you think that's noise as well? It's definitely signal. I'm just not entirely sure to what at this point. You know, he has to make sure that no one can doubt the seriousness of his offer. But what I'm most interested in is how much what happens on Twitter and how Twitter operates gets exposed throughout this process in the lead up before Elon Musk takes it over, if he actually ends up doing that. The uh, the Bin Talal Al-Walid thing is very strange to me. You know, he made noise a few weeks ago about trying to stop Elon Musk from ever taking Twitter over. And now he's saying he's somehow for it. That doesn't immediately make sense. And I don't think anybody yeah. who is in the uh, the world of thought that we're in would trust <laughs> Bin Talal Al-Walid at any point. So, you know. No, he, he's definitely not a good guy. Uh, but interesting that Elon Musk called him out on Twitter and said, hey, mm-hmm. exactly how much money do you and your proxies and the royal family and everybody have in Twitter? Yeah. I want to know. And so does everyone else in the world. And then 
sure enough, uh, Vintalal, you know, said we have we're looking forward. You know, we're just so excited to be working with you, buddy. Uh, yeah. we, we're going to take our 1.9 billion and roll it into the new company. Looking forward to you know moving in a new direction with you, uh, keeping it all positive. So uh, yeah, they're they're definitely uh, you know, putting on. He's definitely putting on a show there that he's uh, yeah. allies with with Musk now. Uh, so I'm not sure you, what could be scarier than. I said, I'm not sure what could be scarier than, than that guy saying he's getting on board with what you're doing. Like if I got that message from him one day, I would be horrified. It would be the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, he, he's, he doesn't seem to be a good actor. So, so weird that he's acting all excited, but I think that's fake. Uh, but what about the fact that Elon Musk is calling out lots of people on Twitter he called out uh, Media Matters and, and George Soros and, and all of those people who were putting out this whole anti-Elon Musk buying Twitter narrative. Uh, he, he basically said, who's funding this? Ask the question. And so, uh, you know, tell us who is funding this, Chris. Who's funding that letter from Media Matters? Oh, it's just that, that you know, you Musk the Soros aspect funding there? the anti the the anti the anti Elon Musk buying Twitter narrative was funded by various people signed onto the letter, right? It wasn't just one letter. It was it, yeah, it, was, it was a uh, bunch of people who signed onto it. Yeah, Soros and uh, Clinton related organizations, and I actually have that letter in front of me. You know, the list of organizations that are aligned with this is pretty insane. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, the Gender Equity Policy Institute, GLAAD, you know, Global Project Against Hate and Extremism, NARAL, Pro-Choice uh, Pro America, the Women's March. Like these are just hard leftist organizations. And what they're doing is trying to go after the advertisers. And there is an extent to which some of that makes sense. We've all heard this argument before. They need the censorship to keep the advertisers on board because they don't want the advertisement for their company bumping up against some extremely controversial opinion that someone like you or me might have about the state of the world and the fact that the election was stolen and uh, you know whatever is happening in Ukraine, the fact that the vaccines are not very safe and very effective. You know, they don't want the Nike ad to be following that sort of content. And that argument has made sense to a lot of people for a long time because there is something to that argument. But that speaks more to a problem with the business model of the platforms and the solution is not censor people with opinions that cannot be supported by transnational corporations. The transnational corporations have their hooks into content on all levels. Like you have to always factor in how much the advertising dollars are changing the opinions expressed on a platform. Yeah, this this is such big news. People don't realize how influential Twitter is in the deep states, mm. you know, mind control, uh, narrative control mechanism, and, and this is a big threat to it. Which is probably why that Ministry of Truth was started <laughs> right after it was announced. Uh, um, but you know, Donald Trump recently, you know, 
re kind of emphasize the support that Devin Nunes mentioned. I want to show that clip to you and, and get more insight from you. So let's let's play that clip. You in your administration introducing some sort of ministry of truth, what the media would have done. Well, I have a ministry of truth. It's yeah. called Truth. It's called Truth Social, which, by the way, is doing very well. I don't know if you've seen the numbers. Yeah, number one app. Would you get me? It's a number one. Can you believe it? Number one. TikTok was two. Twitter was three or four. Number one app, and it's great. And I hope you people are all going to get it. What's your advice to you? I'm a strong Christian influence there. You know what the on Truth Social is what you're saying? Yeah. Oh. You know what it is? Oh. Me. <laughs> I have strong Christian influence. Go ahead. Fair enough. Uh, what's your advice to Elon Musk, by the way, on Twitter? On, on this, well, I like him. I helped him when he had difficulty. Uh, I think he's a very good guy. Uh, I'm not going on Twitter because I have truth. I, I think truth is mm -hmm. a better modern day version. Mm -hmm. But but I think he's a really good guy. Paid a lot of money for that. And I hope it works out. Let me ask you a little bit about it's not that. really as directly a competition. You know, we're also looking at competing with Facebook and competing with others too. But, so you don't see the truth is well, everything. Look, everything's competition, right? Everything you can probably say uh, the network's a competition. Everything, but we're looking at beyond Twitter, mm -hmm. and we have a system that's a very modern, very updated system. Mm -hmm. If you look at pictures or if you look at prints or if you look at, they look better. Mm -hmm. Truth has really been amazing. I mean, to be number one on the Apple app yeah. is pretty incredible, that's I think. Okay, so that kind of reemphasize what Devin Nunes says, uh, but I also wanted to get your, your thoughts on that clip, Chris, and also the fact that 2000 Mules was, was recently banned on Twitter. So the, uh, <laughs> the censorship continues there, right? The censorship seems like it's always going to continue there. You know, last week, people kind of made a big deal about follower numbers going up for Donald Trump Jr. and follower numbers going down for some of the leftists on the platform. You know, my Twitter account has been suspended now for over a year and a half. And when I saw all of that happening, I, you know, reapplied to have them end my uh, suspension. But I just got an email this morning that that's not happening. So I don't think there has been any actual move to open up speech on that platform at this point. Um, you know, I would have liked to hear Trump actually answer the question about the ministry of truth in his administration, because I think we both know, maybe we both saw in the, uh, the Epoch Times, the Josh Phillips podcast on there, talking about how some of this has its roots in CISA and was around throughout Trump's term, actually started in Obama's term. So, you know, I'm very curious about what Trump would have to say about that and what any, you know, how any of that played out throughout his administration. But, uh, you know, I'm obviously glad Truth Social is around. That seemed like a little bit of a diversion. Maybe he doesn't want to answer that question yet. Yeah, CISA has to do with the the cyber stuff that was supposedly be protecting right. our elections, <laughs> right? Yeah, the cyber uh, security yeah, I mean, and infrastructure security agency, yeah. Yeah, I mean, during Trump's administration, uh, big tech had full censorship reign and all you had was Republicans, you know, basically trying to ask tough questions in front of Congress to the tech executives, but nothing ever happened. And they, they wiped all of us 
uh, who are having dissenting opinions on those platforms. And I am hoping now that Elon Musk is taking over Twitter that I'll be able to sue Twitter and you'll be able to sue Twitter. And uh, Trump's already suing Twitter. So hopefully we can all uh, cash in on this because they have tried to take away our voice and take away our participation in civic life and try to take away our incomes, especially if we're, if we're citizen journalists. This is yeah. how we make a living. Uh, so, Chris, any further comment on media matters? The fact that, you know, Soros and Clinton and all Black Lives Matters and all of those social justice uh, warrior type of organizations are behind the anti-Oscar? Well, you know, I know a lot of people find this stuff to be really frustrating, right? The Ministry of Truth comes out or we find out about it and people are like, does this seem like winning? And I'm like, actually, it does seem like winning. The fact that this stuff get ex gets exposed, that is winning. You know what I mean? Like the wins aren't all going to come at moment one. It's a process. And part of that process is the American public understanding what these social media platforms are designed to do. They are designed for censorship. They are designed to uphold a, a regime that cannot be upheld on its own legitimacy. And the more these things are exposed and torn down, the happier I am. I mean, when I look at the end of this letter and see those 26 organizations listed and see that they are all affiliated with Clinton and Soros, when I know the public is going to be exposed to that for the first time, that makes me very happy, actually, because that stuff helps in the process of the awakening. And ultimately, the goal has to be the awakening. The goal can't be any right. particular win. You know, all this stuff has to go along a timeline. And it has to wake people up. You're Even right. the Roe versus it, Wade it's stuff. It's slow. It's painful for those yeah. of us who have already kind of been, been uh, you know, uh, savvy enough to, to catch on to the scandemic er earlier on. Uh, but, for example, the, the leak, uh, the Supreme Court leak about Roe v. Wade being overturned, that doesn't seem because it's just inciting a bunch of 2020 style, you know, possibly yes. riots and, and viol political violence and targeting of people and so forth, which is just ugly, but it is waking people up. In fact, you've been putting out information about abortion that most people aren't aware of. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want you to share some of those stats, some of, those, some of that information about abortion that's waking people up to the idea that it is murder and uh, it's callous and it's evil. So we're going to learn more about that as soon as we get back. Hello, everyone. This is John Michael Chambers, the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. In early 2021, a short squeeze in silver was initiated. What does this mean? It means that individual investors can take advantage of a global supply shortage in silver that the large money center banks will have to end their contracts with physical delivery of an asset that is becoming scarce to non-existent. Low supply plus high demand will cause prices to increase rapidly. The only way to take advantage of a short squeeze is to own physical silver. Call my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott over there at Sovereign Advisors. They have over 27 years experience identifying these trends so you can maximize your returns while at the same time minimizing your risk. Call them today before prices go up any further. 720-605-3900. Tell them John Michael Chambers sent you. We are talking to Chris Paul, host of the Be Reasonable podcast about the Roe v. Wade overturning leak. 
And uh, Chris, you put out a, a post on social media today about the reality of the percentage of women who get abortions. How many are actually from incest and rape and so forth? And how many are for no reason in particular, at least no reason given, only 20% uh, economic reasons because they feel like they don't have enough money to take care of a child, uh, 70% uh, no reason given at all, and then way less than 1% for the rape, incest, and things like that, right? Yeah, and just to uh, just to be clear, uh, a guy named Red Pill Pharmacist actually put that up on Telegram, so I don't want to like take credit for doing that dig, but it's from a website called abort73.com, and these statistics were from the state of Florida. It is uh, 0.2%, so two out of every thousand abortions are the are the situation where the woman's life was endangered by the pregnancy 0.15% so that's 15 out of every 10,000 abortions the woman was raped and only one out of every 10,000 abortions is in the situation where the pregnancy results from incest and so i talk about this on my podcast today the the moral weight that we are encouraged to put on those three instances, which are less than half a percent of the instances of abortion. The, the moral weight that we're encouraged to put on those is pretty great relative to the number of times where that is the argument. You know, we're talking about under 50 out of every 10,000 abortions are for one of those three reasons. But we are told that we are sexist, hateful bigots if we don't think that abortion should be legal, right? Because those cases, they will say, well, this is a pretty significant cruelty that you are committing yourself to morally if you force women in you know, their construction to carry out, to carry to term a pregnancy that came as a result of rape or incest. It's really not a, it really is a very, very rare circumstance, but we're told it's right. something that we have to really consider all the time. And this leak has really brought the issue to the fore for all of us to think about and, and look at and understand. And there have been the leftist protesters just shrieking and saying the most disgusting and violent things like, you know, I wish I could get pregnant with Trump's baby so I could abort it. And, uh, uh, you know, just just really, really uh, just weird to see the dichotomy between the left and the right right now, where the, the, the right is like crying tears of joy that, you know, millions of children won't be killed anymore. And then the left is just howling and freaking out with just rage and just just the opposite type of reaction. Um, not to say, you know, all Democrats are evil or people with liberal ideas are, are evil or anything like that. But this, there is a spiritual war going on. And part of the spiritual war literally is satanic and demonic. And, and they consider, you know, child sacrifice to be part of their religion. So, so you know, what do you have to say about that? Because you you do you're willing to to go there. I know when you do your research and stuff, you you you're you're looking for the facts. You're, you're staying true to journalism, but you're also willing to talk about the more esoteric side of this. So, what's your 
what's your your uh, comment on, on the, that side of things? Well, you know, I think that one of the most disturbing parts of what we're seeing on liberal Twitter right now in response to this is that their their culture, you know, their kind of bubbled Twitter culture is it, it rewards people for taking the most extreme views, right? So if you're pro-choice, it's better to be pro-abortion. It's like a stronger position. You are speaking the idea they all have, but more directly in a, a braver way. And so the more extreme you can go down that line, the more credit you're actually going to get from some of the corners of that movement and that culture. And what we see popping up is really deranged. There was a uh, tweet this morning from some, you know, blue check, blue and on Twitter user named Simon Gwynn. And he, uh, he has said that here it is interesting real life trolley problem in America now. And the trolley problem is basically a train is headed down the tracks. The track splits the way it's currently going. It's going to run over five people. You're standing there at the switch. You can send the train down the other track where it will only kill one person. What is your uh, moral duty to do in that situation? Do you have one? Is it bad if you do nothing? Is it better to kill one person by choice than five people through an action? There are a lot of philosophical moral questions raised there. So he says, interesting real life trolley problem in America. If you had the chance to kill Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, the two oldest right wing judges on the Supreme Court, should you do it while Biden can get his nominees to replace them? confirmed. He is asking for some of the most unhinged leftists. And he actually goes on to say, you know, maybe there's a terminally ill person out there who might be willing to, as one of the last acts of their life, do something heroic and kill Justice Thomas and Justice Alito so Joe Biden can replace them. He actually says this is going to save women's lives. But we can go through the statistics. Abortion is not about saving women's lives. And this level of, of madness is, is really representative of what that movement really is. He's the one who says it, but that stuff is bubbling just beneath the surface. Violence on their terms is always justified. And we saw that in the BLM riots yeah, that, a couple of years ago. And this is the type of speech that's allowed on Twitter to calling yes. for violence, calling to, to assassinate people, to kill people, um, you know, and, and this is not is not veiled at all. This is right out in the open. And I've seen headlines already where the the leftists are saying that they the, their movement should definitely target the Supreme Court justices for, for violence to, or to pressure them at their residences, to dox them, whatever it is that they want to do to try to target them personally. Uh, and, and that's a first. You know, in the United States, you've never had people going to a Supreme Court justice's residence and harassing them, right? This is a new, uh, a new type of uh, political harassment that, that's just since Antifa and BLM and the, this whole, whole terroristic style. But I, I agree with you that the leftists on Twitter, uh, they go beyond just saying, um, I believe in choice for a woman. 
They, they believe in things like post-birth abortion, right? So after a child's born, then killing it, it's really, uh, it's really being exposed. And as you said, that's part of the awakening process yeah. for us to really see what is, what is it that the left, uh, the communists, the subversive element of the left, what is it that they truly believe? That's being put on a platter for everyone to see. Uh, Chris, can you tell us where we can find you on social media and, uh, and anything else about uh, what you're doing on Odyssey? I know you created a video on, on the ghost of Kiev. Yeah, the ghost of Kiev. Yes, uh, I am most commonly on Telegram and Truth Social. Uh, T.me slash I'm your moderator. I'm your moderator. I am Y-O-U-R moderator is my handle for all of the uh, non-legacy social media platforms. Um, that video is on Odyssey, Rumble, and BitChute, so you can find me on all those. And I would definitely say check out that video. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. And I think maybe people will learn a thing or two. So we'll see. I guess they'll find out if the ghost of Kiev is real or not, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll get some entertainment. It only took two and a half months. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Chris Paul from the Be Reasonable Thanks podcast. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Alexandra Bruce from ForbiddenKnowledgeTV.net. She has a lot of breaking content for us. Hello, everyone. This is John Michael Chambers, the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. Now, did you know that annuities are a great way to protect a portion of your retirement portfolio from downside risk? And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax-deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they are probate-free and can provide an income you can't outlive. Let a company you can trust help you select an annuity that's right for you. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's 844-USA-2024. Tell them John Michael Chambers sent you. We are back and we're going to be interviewing Alexander Bruce from ForbiddenKnowledgeTV.net. She has created and curated what she always does on her website, the hottest alternative news stories. Alexandra, what do you have for us today? Well, I just wanted to uh, cite something that uh, Kim.com said. I think that he summed up who's against uh, Elon Musk's uh, Twitter takeover and the, you know, ending the censorship that prevails over there. And he, he did it very succinctly. He said, Elon Musk asked who's behind the orcs that intimidate big advertisers to boycott Twitter. The short answer is Democrats and their billionaire puppeteers. What they don't yet understand is that Twitter's major future income will be premium services, not ads. In the right hands, no pun intended, Twitter can achieve a five time increase in revenue and become highly profitable, literally a cash cow. And all that while respecting free speech and telling the Ministry of Truth to F off. But the Dems' effort to destroy Elon is now fully underway. So I think that he pretty much summed that up very well. So anyway, people are speculating as to who did the SCOTUS leak, but it almost doesn't matter because it was uh, so obviously coordinated by the desperate Democrats. And the fact that the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki didn't condemn the leak tells you everything you need to know and the way that Schumer and Pelosi already had a memo drafted and the way that Bernie Sanders and AOC basically said the exact same thing verbatim as each other and how Hillary and others already had their talking points lined up and how the crowd that gathered outside the Supreme Court within hours 
with professionally printed I stand with Planned Parenthood signs, all of it tells you everything you need to know. We're living in the most disastrous U.S. presidency in U.S. history, uh, one that aims to turn this country into a giant heap of smoldering radioactive ash, and everybody knows it. Back in 2008, while the masses flocked to Obama to save them from Dick Cheney, those waking up to the American nightmare could clearly see how he was a puppet to Wall Street and the big banks, and also to the military-industrial complex. Their profits soared as the anti-war movement disappeared. Obama even had an American citizen killed with a drone strike while eating dinner. Obama loved Predator drones, and he normalized the unending war. I have two words for you. Predator drones. <laughs> you will never see it coming. <laughs> you think I'm joking? At first, Obama was not threatened by the election of Donald Trump. He had the all-powerful media on his side. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. Well, at real Donald Trump, at least I will go down as a president. But that didn't last. If we fall for... Trump got elected. And Obama helped lead a massive attack against him with the entire establishment, mainstream media, and loyal Democrats. And by the time the 2020 election was stolen right before our eyes, there was no doubt that Joe Biden was a puppet. But whose puppet? I think it's no surprise to know that it's not just uh, Obama, but it's the whole Obama-Clinton machine that has been in power for a long time and continues to pull the strings behind the curtain in the Biden administration. But when we're talking about this ministry of truth, Will, what's even more disturbing than the fact that you have all these Democrats who are supporting it is that there are powerful Republicans who are supporting it as well. Obama and Clinton are puppets, along with at least 99% of all the Democrats and Republicans in Congress. And it's not even a government anymore. It's a criminal cabal made up of several crime families and corporations that see the people as a commodity. And now, while being exposed for some of the biggest crimes in American history, they are stealing every last penny from the American people, creating a worldwide famine and provoking a war with a country that is showing off ways they can nuke we the people into oblivion. In Germany, hundreds of thousands of people are demanding that their government stop sending weapons to Ukraine and urging them to move towards a peaceful resolution. While in America, it seems as if everyone is just going about their business, waiting for the next election, as if it's just a series on Netflix we are watching. But if we sit and do nothing, as we watch them start a nuclear war, are we innocent? The U.S. government is training Ukrainian soldiers in Germany and supplying Ukraine with hundreds of newly declassified suicide drones. The liars and thieves inhabiting the U.S. government are starting this war for their own puppet masters. But they are no one special, just old, old money with centuries of fraud. And we outnumber them 10,000 to one, conservatively. They are not going to stop. And now that they are being exposed, it's just going to get worse. And so 
wouldn't it be beautiful if we the people can stand up for what's right and stop World War III? So everything that Democrats have done over the past two years with this bogus pandemic has been to disempower their own constituents, to force vaccinate them with a deadly genetic concoction, to collapse small businesses, to end energy independence, to cause historic inflation, to collapse supply chains, to crash the economy, and to be hysterical about imposing more censorship. Their Department of Homeland Security chief, Alejandro Mayorkas, is intent on collapsing the border and on shipping millions of illegal immigrants into communities all over the country while creating a new agency to spy on American citizens in order to police and to censor what we have to say about all of this. So the Democrats are on the mat. They know that this November is gonna be a bloodbath. They needed something to galvanize their people to go to the polls this November, as we've already seen from the recent primaries that the Democrats voter turnout is very low. One wonders why the DNC suddenly cares about polls and elections, since everything they have done has guaranteed that everybody with two or more brain cells would never vote for them again. 52% of Hispanic voters are leaning Republican right now. It's as if they expected all of us to be killed off by now, but since we're not dead, they suddenly have to galvanize the biggest voting bloc, which is women, to try to mitigate the guaranteed disaster of the upcoming midterm elections. And now, breaking, uh, you know, after breaking state, federal, and international laws, including the Nuremberg Code, in order to utterly disrespect everybody's bodily autonomy with insane and illegal vaccine mandates, and after screaming about how men can have babies and making hospitals remove all references to gender in their maternity wards, creating neologisms like birthing parent and chest feeding, now all of a sudden women exist again and we're back to women's rights and my body, my choice. California Governor Gavin Newsom can't even get it straight. And he had a total brain fart about it the other day. Consistently opposing all of those supports. Hell, they don't even believe in climate science. Talk to me about being pro-life. Spare me. Your body, your choice. It's a hell of a moment to live in. But like you say, we will not be defeated. We will stand tall, we will stand firm, and we will affirm the constitutional, currently constitutionally protected rights of women and girls, their reproductive rights and freedoms in California. And we will assert ourselves, as I said, as Californians by punching above our weight, working with other like-minded leaders and governors and legislatures all across this country. And we're not gonna roll over. We will not back down. And we will continue to fill in the gaps and address the disparities that continue to persist even in a state like ours, even in California. There's a lot of incoherence to unpack there. He really is, he's like the American Justin Trudeau. It's incredible, they're, they're like out of the same mold. The fact is that overturning Roe v. Wade would not end abortion in the US. It would only send the issue to the states to decide as the constitution intended. But you won't hear this mentioned once in the fake news enemy of the people. So after several years of having fifth generation warfare as our governance model here, uh, not only in the US, but globally, some of us have started to wise up to what's really going on. Monica Crowley joined Steve Bannon on the war room to react to the leak of the draft of Supreme Court Justice uh, Samuel Alito's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Of our institutions, ma'am. 
Well, I think, Steve, that we are witnessing the deliberate destruction of all of our institutions. This has been going on by the Marxist left for many decades, so it didn't originate last night with this outrageous and unprecedented leak. It's been going on a very long time. And what everybody needs to understand is, you know, this is not the Democratic Party of Bill Clinton, JFK, and, and even FDR. This is now a party of Marxist revolutionaries, and they have done this long march through our institutions in order to destroy us from Within. You'll recall, Steve, that in the 1930s, it began as a KGB operation to try to overthrow the United States from without. And when they realized, when America's enemies from abroad realized that our constitution and our country were so durable that that was going to be impossible, they changed their tactics. And they began like termites to eat our institutions from within, uh, to the point now where so many of them are on the precipice of collapsing. What you saw last night with this leak was engineered. It's completely orchestrated in order to uh, engineer this political agenda going into the midterms. We saw this now because they want to mobilize all of the left's armies to burn the country down again, just as they did uh, prior to the 2020 election. They're looking for another pretext. They found one here with the abortion issue. And I expect another summer of love, you know, mostly peaceful, Steve. Still, our would-be lords and masters don't seem to get that we're starting to wake up. Here's Bill Gates claiming that it's quite clear coronavirus originated in bats and dismissing the lab leak theory and blaming COVID on climate change. How do we prevent something where we don't even understand how it came to be? Like, you know, are there labs where they need to do better at, at, at you know, enclosing the work that they're doing? I understand that they have to do the work, but how do we figure that out and how do we move forward in, the, in that realm? Well, we shouldn't be careful about lab safety. It's quite clear in this case that it came across through animals. Mm -hmm. And almost all our diseases, like HIV, crossed over from chimpanzees in Africa quite some time ago. Ebola came from bats. Uh, this also, uh, with one step in between, came uh, from bats. So it's going to keep happening, particularly with climate change, where we're invading uh, a lot of habitats. So the globalists are going full steam ahead on completing their global coup d'etat with a vote at the UN two weeks from now that would remove national sovereignty from all countries, which we talked about here with James Roguski a couple of weeks ago. And here's what Dr. Robert Malone had to say about it. The Western democracies, and they're acting aggressively on it. For instance, there's a bill in the United Nations right now asserting that in the case of a public health emergency, a new constitution that the UN would create would circumvent, be placed over all of the Western democracy constitutions. They want to create a system in which they can use a public health emergency, which is whatever they decide it is, just like the definition of mis and disinformation. They want to be able to use a public health emergency to justify suspending the constitution of all the Western democracies and implementing the things that they want, which includes the digital ID, QR codes, tracking on your cell phone, and the PRC uh, branded you know, social credit system which we've now learned in Justin Trudeau's guidance will destroy the banking system. I mean, that's what, that's what brought those policies in Canada down 
was it was people, high net worth individuals and average people realizing that the banking system had been weaponized in China. There was, I mean, in, in Canada, there was no longer a safe harbor and they pulled their money out of TD Bank and the other Canadian banks. And that started to crash the entire economic system of Canada. That's why Justin Trudeau backed down. And that's the system that the World Economic Forum wants to foist on all of us. And in my opinion, it's time to wake up and stand your ground and flush out these WEF people that have been placed all through our government. Gavin Newsom, Inslee in Washington, Pete Buttigieg, it goes on and on and on. They are throughout our government at the state level and the national level. They are in tech. They are in banking. This has been a 30-year campaign by the World Economic Forum to place their trainees throughout the Western democracies in positions of leadership. And here's my point in closing on that. Is your public, are you willing to let the same people that have totally bungled the management of this outbreak control your life? Are you willing to give up your freedom to let these people control you? Speaking for myself, the answer is hell no. And by the way, that what happened in Canada was a probe because the ultimate plan is to get rid of the commercial banks and to just have a central bank digital currency. So uh, because you see what what that did, that that was a, you know, that was a, le- a point of leverage for the people still at that point that uh, had Trudeau back down. So, you know, another thing that the SCOTUS leak is, is a big distraction. And uh, there's a, um, Here's one of the many things that it's distracting from. The, the release of Dinesh D'Souza's 2,000 Mules, which premiered at Mar-a-Lago last night. And here is the trailer. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Let me say it again. The 2020 election was the most secure election in American history. Let me begin by asking a very simple question. Do we know the truth about what really happened in the 2020 election? I think millions of Americans know something went wrong and they have little pieces and no one's really put it together. I'm agnostic on this question and I I am awaiting more information. If I believed the president were a Nazi, I might steal an election. Bold. Accusations require bold evidence, and they haven't seen it. We have been working on something big. Show me the money. Can we meet? I've been working with Greg Phillips. He has a deep background in election intelligence. True the Vote has the largest store of election intelligence for the 2020 elections in the world. No one has more data than we do. We identified in Atlanta 242 mules that went to an average of 24 drop boxes. But Philadelphia alone, we've identified more than 1,100 mules. What is a mule? Person picking up ballots and running them to the drop boxes. This is not grandma out walking her dog. Bad backgrounds, bad reputations. They are interested in one thing, that's money. And in no shape, in no way, in no time is that legal. This is organized crime. Do you have video evidence? Four million minutes of surveillance video around the country. What you're about to see is disturbing. So this is uh, one o'clock in the morning. Don't we all vote at one o'clock in the morning? (laughs) One night, 
This person, this mule, went across six counties to 27 different drop boxes. I call it the Mexican Mafia, seriously, because uh, they, they work like that. This is jaw-dropping. What you showed is frightening. It's just sickening to me. Now we come to the most important question of all. Was the magnitude of vote trafficking enough to tip the balance in the 2020 presidential election? It's not a leap to say this would have made a difference. They have ruined Election Day in the United States of America. That's provable. And that's enough for me to fight the left with every fiber in my body. Without free and fair elections, we are not a democracy. We are a criminal cartel masquerading as a democracy. 2,000 mules in select theaters, May 2nd and 4th. So go to 2000mules.com to buy your ticket to see this movie in its premiere week. And another thing that they're distracting us from is the Pfizer data dump. In my opinion, withholding scientific data is constitutes fraud. This is scientific fraud, in my opinion. If I was to publish a study in which I had a large body of epidemiologic data and I decided to only public published part of it because I wanted to advance some agenda, I would be guilty of scientific fraud. The paper would be withdrawn. I would be kicked out of my academic institution. I would be guilty of scientific fraud. That's what this is. And the CDC has, I've watched it over the years, become more and more and more a political arm and not serving its its function. This is the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They are the the archive of information which physicians have relied on for decades through the for the through the MMWR publication they are the ones that are responsible for, for providing us the frontline data about what's going on and where it's happening they have stopped performing that function they no longer release that detailed information through MMWR they have become purely a political organization and an arm of the executive branch and what they have done is, in my opinion, obscene. Um, and it is part of what's underlied the attacks that Peter and I have sustained from the press. If you, under, if you think about it, the underlying thesis is, well, the CDC didn't say that, so therefore you're spreading medical misinformation. But now we learn who's really been spreading medical misinformation is the CDC. I think we're all owed an apology. I think that this data that they have been withholding, it's not just the 18 to 49-year-old triple boost efficacy data. It is a ton of information. They've been intentionally withholding it. That's why we've been attacked. It is unjust. We are the ones, it turns out we are completely vindicated. We have been speaking truth, and it's a truth that's been hidden from the American public. And more important, it's been hidden from other physicians, and it's been hidden from public health authorities. So, you know, they knew that they killed 1,223 people with, uh, during their initial testing, and that according to their own documents, it has a 15% efficacy rate not 95% as claimed by Fauci. Every clinical trial of a brand new drug without exception excludes pregnant women from participating or receiving treatment. But Pfizer tested 270 pregnant women and 238, like it went AWOL, they, they escaped. 
they left the study. But of the 32 remaining, there was only one live birth, okay, out of those, you know, those 270 originally pregnant women, right? The remaining 31 cases were spontaneous abortion and fetal death. How then did the FDA and the CDC or the garden gnome go on to recommend it to pregnant women? And then why did so few doctors question that recommendation? I think, you know, people at the FDA and the CDC and some of these doctors and these hospitals, they need to start thinking about whether they want to be witnesses or um, defendants in the near future. Okay. So with uh, Saudi Arabia vowing to go green and U.S. sanctioned countries circumventing the petrodollar and the U.N.'s Agenda 21 and many European jurisdictions planning to phase out gasoline engines in the next few years, it's clear that the age of invading oil-rich countries to control their resources has come to an end. And with it, the petrodollar and the second generation warfare that dominated that era. And as the U.S. dollar collapses, there's a rush to roll out 5G and the Internet of Things, which are the necessary infrastructure for the new global currency uh, that will in the full implementation of the central bank digital currencies that are being uh, developed right now, which may help explain the insane antics we have witnessed to force vax the world's population, being that there's a lot of evidence that the magic juice contains nanocircuitry to create MAC addresses within the bodies of the vax that are in turn connected to the internet of bodies. The same way that the FCC has skirted safety laws around the wireless uh, um, technology and how the US FISA court has been used to illegally compel big data corporations to supply the NSA with their user data in the PRISM program that was exposed by Edward Snowden, with 98% of this data collection coming from Yahoo, Google, and Microsoft, so basically from your emails, uh, and this was back in 2013, the governments around the world and Big Pharma have similarly flouted all safety regulations to force fax the planet. The military-industrial complex has moved on to biowarfare and fifth-generation warfare, which is conducted primarily through social engineering, misinformation, cyber attacks, along with emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence and fully autonomous systems. And a lot of these things are what Twitter is all about. The globalists will need to dominate the next era by controlling all of the data, hence the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, where everything and everyone will become a node on the network, and where wrong think in your tweets will torpedo your social credit score, which is something that is already a fact of life in China. Okay? That is the China model. When they're talking about the China model, that is it. So enter the Department of Homeland Security, which was enacted shortly after the Patriot Act, who last Wednesday announced the creation of the Disinformation Governance Board. This new Ministry of Truth will be headed up by Nina Yankowitz, an extreme DNC partisan who has worked with the Atlantic Council, the Ukrainian government, and with British intelligence, and who has referred to the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation. More and more videos keep coming out of her, and I'm not going to play any of her saying the most insanely partisan things. She really is, as uh, Glenn Greenfield called her yesterday in a quote, the most preposterous and laughable figure, a liberal cartoon, a caricature of a resistance Twitter fanatic. And, you know, he is, he's a leftist. Okay. So DHS Secretary Mayorkas controls U.S. Customs and Border Protection. He is systematically doing everything in his power to undermine his department's mission, 
by allowing millions of illegal immigrants, criminals, and terrorists to cross the border. Project Veritas just did a whole thing about, like, several dozen terror known terrorists that were released by DHS into, into our country. So who knows, maybe some of them are blowing up our food processing facilities, another one of which burnt down in Virginia over the weekend. So one begins to understand why newspapers and TV truly are the dinosaur media, why their one-way data flows of fake news may have some propagandistic utility. Their low interactivity and low correlation with reality create a garbage-in, garbage-out dissonance, which interferes with the project to construct a legal uh, a digital facsimile of everything on this planet and beyond, a.k.a. the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, and the Global Information Grid, and all of the machine learning and the 5G necessary to drive Elon Musk's Tesla autonomous vehicles and to provide the human enhancement via Elon's Neuralink brain implants. So is this why Elon is trying to corral the distortions to our... our Internet of Things caused by censorship and propaganda. Back to you, Sean. Thank you, Alexandra. Amazing update. You really are helping us all wake up. So I hope everyone out there shares this segment because there's some amazing clips in there, amazing information. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I'll give you my final thoughts. Hello, everyone. This is John Michael Chambers the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. Now, did you know that annuities are a great way to protect a portion of your retirement portfolio from downside risk? And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they are probate free and can provide an income you can't outlive. Let a company you can trust Help you select an annuity that's right for you. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's 844-USA-2024. Tell them John Michael Chambers sent you. When you feel like we're losing, when you see leftists riding the streets or screeching at the top of their lungs, you actually should know that we're winning because people are waking up the truly radical and demonic philosophy that the leftists hold right now at this moment in time in our nation's history is being put on a platter for everyone to see, and they can make a choice, a moral choice, a spiritual choice. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, this Elon Musk takeover, this is just so big, and more data points are coming out every day to confirm that the White Hats, the Trump team, totally encourage and are possibly even a uh, decision-making part of this. And all the right people have been angry about this takeover from George Soros and Clinton and all the rest of the gang. And what I found interesting about Alexandra Bruce's clip from Robert Malone is that we have thought leaders like Dr. Robert Malone who really sum up the entire game quite easily who really point out the puppet masters, the elites, the uh, World Economic Forum, and how they infiltrate our governments. And he's able to sum it up in a few sentences so that people can share it, people can understand it, and people can spread that. And that is the Great Awakening. It's happening right now, and you're a part of it. Thank you for watching American Media Periscope, America's patriot-only network. Making Sense of the Madness is Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. God bless all you patriots. Good night. Good luck.